0: Welcome to My on Mondays, an explorative approach to the possessive Mai through narratives, art, and sound. Each Monday brings a new creation and unique perspective. My on Mondays is brought to you by Ming Studios, a contemporary art space and international artist residency program dedicated to the exhibition, experience, and exploration of arts and culture. Along with exhibiting artists from around the world, Ming also serves the community by hosting innovative including performances, workshops, screenings, readings, artist talks, and other cultural activities. For more information, or if you'd like to participate in My on Mondays, you can visit our website at mingstudios.org. Hello, and welcome to the 80th episode of Mayan Mondays. Today, I'm really pleased to share this conversation with cellist Jake Saunders. As a performer, curator, educator, artistic director, and new music advocate, Saunders engages diverse communities through inclusive programming and distinctive collaboration. He's a founding member and artistic director of 208 Ensemble, the first professional ensemble in Boise, Idaho, dedicated to the advocacy and performance of music written by living composers. Since their inception in 2014, 208 Ensemble has presented more than 40 contemporary works to diverse and enthusiastic audiences. In 2018, they introduced their flagship project, Avant Garden designed to commission chamber music annually from emerging and underrepresented composers and cultivate an accessible, collaborative environment for the performance of contemporary art. Additionally, Saunders is the creator of Boise Cello Collective, a collaborative project specializing in the performance of classical, contemporary, and popular music in non-traditional venues. Saunders has been principal cellist of Symphony Tacoma, Opera Idaho Orchestra, Boise State University Symphony Orchestra, University of Michigan Symphony Orchestra and Philharmonia Orchestra, the Music Academy of the West Festival Orchestra, the University of Colorado Boulder Symphony Orchestra, as well as performing with a variety of other groups. He currently serves as Associate Principal Cello with the Boise Philharmonic, where he also serves as a member of the Boise Philharmonic String Quartet. He's section cellist with the Long Beach Symphony Orchestra in California, and as an active member of the Playground Ensemble and Sphere Ensemble, Saunders has established himself as a sought-after collaborative artist in Colorado, including projects such as Boulder Altitude Directive, Boulder Symphony, and Pro Musica Chamber Orchestra. I really like it when I hear that people in the classical traditions whether it be dance or music or, or whatever are doing something that's different uh-huh. and so you are the founder of two groups the 208 ensemble which I'm, I'm going to quote your websites is a multi instrumental ensemble specializing in the performance of innovative chamber music dedicated to the advocacy and performance of music written by living composers and then yes. you also are part of the Boise Cello Collective, which specializes in the performance of classical, contemporary and popular music in non-traditional venues. So, I, I mean, you're, you're really sort of, you seem like you have a lot of focus on doing something that is different from what you would typically see in a classical performance. And so I'm curious what got you started in that direction.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of what my answer will be with how I got started is kind of based in the practical realm. I've I've always been um, pretty active in terms of creating things and leading projects. And it's, it's something I do without even really intentionally thinking about it. It's just one of my natural, it just comes naturally to me. And um, I guess I'll start with VoiceU Telecollective because that was the group I started first. Um, all the way back in 2012, I think, so it's been around for a minute, and that was when I had just moved back from to Boise from my first college uh, degree experience, and it was just wanting to be involved in the community a bit more actively. I didn't have any, um, you know, hired, contracted, institutionalized performance opportunity at that time. I was pretty young, and so I, you know, basically contacted some friends of mine and said, hey, you know, how would you feel about getting together, playing some cello quartets on street corners downtown. And people were interested. And that's how that group started. And very quickly, I realized that, you know, four cellos is somewhat of a unique combination of instruments. You know, it's once we're doing it and we're performing, it seems like perfect. Like, why isn't this more of a thing? But there is not as much precedent as, say, like with a traditional string quartet with violins and viola and so forth. And so that evolved into me making original arrangements for the group very quickly, um, just so that we would have material to play on the street. And from there, the group evolved into something a little bit more focused and serious, where we were a codified ensemble and we had set membership and we were touring and playing in you know, both, both these non-traditional venues, but also concert halls. And the group has sort of developed from there. Um, <clears throat> and so it's really coming from like that's the the roots of that ensemble is is busking you know just pick up pick up performances pop up performances downtown wherever we could find a place that sounded reasonably good and that people would be walking by and i found a lot of some of my most enjoyable and satisfying performance experiences were were those where you know people are really not expecting to hear live music as they're walking downtown necessarily, and especially not a cello quartet. And so, what I found is that the audiences we developed were, by definition, organic. And if people chose to stop and listen, it was purely because they wanted to or they found something attractive about what we're doing. And that was a pretty liberating experience. And I realized that there's an interest in that sort of thing of crossover, you know, what we typically associate with classical instruments crossing over into different genres, people love hearing their favorite Beatles song played by cellos, for example. And so it was a little bit less about what my personal passion was and more about I want to do something. And hey, I'm realizing that our community is responding pretty well to this thing. So let's keep going. Um, and then a couple of years later, I had finished a graduate degree at Boise State. And um, I'm from Boise. I grew up here. And there's a very common mindset among those of us who are from here, especially artists, I would venture to say, in which we grew up here, we're from here, and we tell ourselves that once we go to college or whatever else, uh, we are never coming back. (laughs) And I was definitely one of those people. And so I somewhat reluctantly came back to Boise for a graduate degree. It was just, on paper, a wonderful opportunity, and I couldn't say no to it. That's a different story. Um, but in the process of that two-year program, I realized that I really love this community. And there's a lot here. There's a lot, you know, that's being offered. And there's also a lot of room to grow. And I think it was because of that two-year experience of, it, you know, just being very welcomed and very supported that I made a very active decision instead of, you know, going off and trying to find the next big city or applying to other schools and big cities, et cetera. I remember I remember the day where I made the very active decision of like, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep being here, contributing to the growing arts community in Boise, giving back to the community that's given me so much um, to develop my own artistic career. And then the question was, okay so what am I what am I going to do? What's what do we not have in Boise? You know, we have a symphony orchestra, we have ballet, we have opera, we have all these other things that are in a certain way thriving So what do we not have? And it was from that question that 208 Ensemble came to be, um, just from the realization that we don't have any ensemble organization in town that's specifically dedicated to music of our time, um, composers who are working today. And so I connected with a composer who had just picked up a job at Boise State, and I asked if he would be interested in forming this ensemble with me. His name's David Biedenbender. And we went forth and did that. And that really was to fill a specific niche that I thought was overlooked here in Boise. Um, I did have some experience playing contemporary repertoire in some of my school uh, careers, uh, background. Mm -hmm. And I had found a lot of um, interest and I also found a sense of identity with that. Um, The feeling like you are kind of carving out new space and that there is room for you in that space because What you don't have with contemporary music is hundreds of years of tradition and precedent. And so you have some of that, but you also have so much more room to be an interpreter and really explore it in your own way, not to mention engage with the composers themselves and um, feel like you are really part of the continuation of a very long traditional art form. You know, it really is, you know, these composers are not only listening to Bach and Beethoven, but Beyonce and the Beatles and, and living artists and so forth. And so it's um, the phrase I'd often use of this group is um, it's innovative and, and fresh, but but also comforting and familiar in a certain way. And so I had had that experience and, and thought that Boise might be ready for that um, based on some of the experience that I had with the cello collective, where there seemed like a real interest and kind of desire for chamber music, but specifically a chamber ensemble that was doing something a bit different. And yeah. so that's how that group developed and grew. And um, it's, it's still around today. It's, a, you know, things are challenging. It's sort of taken a little bit of a back burner role in my life for a very variety of reasons. But um, to answer that question directly, I think both are coming from my interest to contribute something tangible to this community and help move it in a certain direction, help, help its growth, help its development through these projects, through the creation of new ensembles.
0: Yeah. Well, that that kind of leads me into one of my other questions. So um, something that all most artists experience um, is that it's really hard to make a living as an as an artist or a musician. And you I mean, you talk about not necessarily having the time that you need to devote to certain projects and can you tell us a little bit more about um, the various projects that you're doing and how you make it all work?
1: Yes, that is that is a major challenge, and it's it's very true that it's difficult um, for every medium. I'm going to focus on what I know, which is music and classical music in particular. But I, I do think there's probably crossover to other traditions where um, you know we're coming from an academic perspective or a traditional perspective where success is defined defined by X, Y, or Z opportunities. And if you don't reach those opportunities, then there's nothing for you. And so that's kind of the mindset that I grew up with. And the X, Y, or Z that I'm talking about are (laughs) employment with a full-time orchestra um, Mm -hmm. position at a full-time university or winning a bunch of competitions and becoming a soloist. Yeah. And all three of those like numerically speaking are kind of equivalent to winning the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, it, it's possible and people definitely do it, but you know, the chances of you being eligible, um, not only in a musical technical sense, but also in a political, um, not to mention socioeconomic sense are yeah. pretty tricky and I think that's where that limiting mindset comes from, where um, if you're not doing those things, then therefore you're not going to be able to make ends meet. My perspective and and the way that I see the culture developing now is a little bit more along the lines of um, art is something that everybody wants and, dare I say, needs, and there's room for everybody to contribute in that way. And if you're willing to be flexible and creative and do work that you may not have dreamed of or aspired to when you were younger then I think I think you'll be able to make it. And so what I'm what I'm currently up to I have sort of a complicated life because <clears throat> I am based currently in three states um, Boise, Denver and also Long Beach California and I have um, multiple performance jobs that I have in all three locations. I play with Long Beach Symphony down in California um, in Boise I play with, Boise Phil, Opera Idaho, 208 Ensemble, Boise Cello Collective. Um, I also teach here quite a lot. I have something like 22 private students here now. Mm. Um, And in Denver, I work with a contemporary ensemble called Playground Ensemble, as well as a pretty unique string group called Sphere Ensemble that kind of does what Boise Cello Collective does, which is crossing over into pop and other genres, but in a string orchestra setting. And so that's kind of the portfolio of what I do and that also doesn't include any number of freelance things that I have either built for myself or have picked up so for example more recently I've been enjoying playing uh, it's, it's improvised music for Ian yoga sessions in different studios throughout Boise oh
0: wow and, nice
1: um that's that's been a really rewarding experience for me and something that's very new um you know I, I go in there and I I'm really truly improvising, but for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, and that's its own set of challenges. But um, again, I think it's in the mindset of that if you're open to it and you can imagine where you can see music sort of fitting in the cracks, then you yeah. can make those opportunities happen for yourself. No, that's um,
0: so fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's there, there's the portfolio. It's It's a mix of... Um, actual employment, so being hired by organizations. Um, it's also freelance performance work, so yoga and weddings, playing other events. Um, it's also teaching. I write a lot of grants. I do a lot of admin mm. work. And so um, I, I'm, I'm pretty busy most of the time doing a lot of this, this stuff. Sounds and so like it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's all it's performance lot. related. I think teaching is sort of a separate category, which I also love a lot. but mm. um, that's that's the portfolio, and, and through that, um, I'm not getting rich, but I am stable, and yeah. I think importantly, I really enjoy almost everything that I do very much. If that makes sense, like there's nothing that, 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 that I
0: says a
1: lot, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that I like, wake up and I'm like, ah, I have to do this.
0: You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, of course, we all have our moments, but um, in general, I'm like, I get to do this. I'm excited about this, yeah. and I feel very grateful for that. But I do think it comes from that flexible mindset of, you uh, it, it'd be nice if I had just one job that was paying the bills. But realistically, that's not, I don't know if that's going to happen. They could, but, mm-hmm. you know, in the meantime, what am I going to do? And so making yourself open to any number of things. And uh, I think alongside that, there's a lot to be said for, oh, how do I say this in an elegant way? That with that um, institutionalized mindset of, Success means X, Y, or Z um, comes a bit of an a bit of an ego where the people who are occupying those roles, mm-hmm. we, we look up to them and those are the leaders of the field, so to speak. And if you're not doing that, then therefore by default, you're not as good. And yeah. I think that's a very old fashioned and not helpful mindset because yeah. everybody has something to offer and it's just matching, you know, going back to the community need that I was feeling, it's it's that classic thing of matching your skill set. With the, you know, what what the community needs and wants, and then you ask yourself, what do I do to 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 find the middle ground of, you know, where my skill set meets that demand, and yeah. through that, I think, yeah, a lot of things are possible. That's such
0: a that's such a great way to look at it because I mean, I myself have been really, um, kind of, not turned off necessarily but less focused on sort of um performance as this separate thing where you're the performer and the audience is another thing and really trying to figure out where i want to be and and in what ways i can connect with the community in a way that Mm. feels more meaningful to me so i i really relate personally with a lot of what you're saying
1: absolutely and you know, a lot of you know, with the contemporary music thing, that was a, a difficult thing at first because we're introducing an art form to a community that really has no experience with it. And I don't say that in a condescending way. I think it's just a matter of fact. Like if you don't have people playing that music, then you may have access to recordings or if you visit other cities, et cetera. But for the most part, it was sort of a new experience. And so the way that we packaged that was much more in terms of Connectivity, emotional experience of, mm. um, we're choosing to play repertoire that's meaningful to us, that we truly yeah. love, and we we're hoping that our audiences will be able to respond to that primarily. You know, that's where we're hitting them in in, you know, in their feelings. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it's more about totally. that emotional connection, and yeah. maybe later the conceptual understanding of the art form will come, but it's almost unnecessary. You know, it's. Um, yeah, I think connecting through that, that emotional lens, like we love this, you're connecting to our love of it. And so therefore you're going to enjoy it too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. And so one of my other questions was, um, because you are performing in this way that's different or in non-traditional venues, I'm really curious what um, maybe one or two of the most unique experiences are that you've had or something that, is there anything that stands out in your mind that was either I don't know, maybe it could even be funny, but something that stands out to you?
1: Yeah, well, I will say the street performance stuff is definitely in that category. But I mm-hmm. touched on that. So yeah. maybe a different story. Um, a few years ago, I went on a tour with a kind of Americana singer songwriter type artist And she had assembled an instrumental band to support her. And it was a tour based in northern Germany, um, a city called Bremen. And a really kind of, I think, beautiful concept for a tour, which is we were working with this company whose whole mission was to insert live music into spaces that otherwise would never have live music. And so that means a lot of like sometimes a lot of like very small venues. We did a lot of house shows, we played in Mm -hmm. cafes, you know, things, you really wouldn't think of like walking into this place and there's, you know, this, uh, this folk band from America, from the United States performing. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my, one of the standout experiences from that, um, we were in that primary city, we were in Bremen and we were tasked to play, we were hired to play at um, this restaurant in the so that city is right on the coast. It's up on the northern sea there, whatever that's called. And the communities there have been fishermen for generations, hundreds of years, probably, if not more. Mm-hmm. And we were playing at this old like fisherman's cafe. And if you can basically picture like a mobile home that's been converted into a very low key cafe, that's what the space was.
0: Oh, and... wow.
1: <laughs> sorry. Sorry, what was that?
0: No, I'm just, I'm trying to imagine that.
1: <laughs> yeah, really, just like not fancy is the point. Just very uh, basic.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you, you know, utilitarian, you know, you walk in to the restaurant, they ask you two questions. Do you want food? Yes or no. Do you want beer? Yes or no. <laughs> and you eat whatever they're cooking that day and it's whatever they have on tap. You know, it's okay. very like homey in that certain way. And the people who are there, um, older, but very like working- Type people, you can tell they've spent a lot of their lives working on boats and at the and at the the docks and so forth and so kind of intense and they're Germans, you know. So there's like a certain intensity and seriousness, Mm -hmm. like at risk of cliche, but it's also kind (laughs) of true. And here we are, we're like again Americans, we're playing folk music and we are all completely nervous. Like this is a slightly older audience that we're used to, not that that's a problem in the slightest, but that's a difference between us as performers. And um, they're also workers, and we have no idea if they're interested in hearing our music whatsoever.
0: Yeah, and so you didn't know how you'd be received.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, it was very. we couldn't communicate. You know, they spoke very little English. We spoke almost no German. And, you know, we get up to play, and it's completely silent. It's a very serious somber atmosphere almost like what you'd expect from like a traditional classical music environments not Mm -hmm. to (laughs) be negative about that Mm -hmm. but that kind of atmosphere and we start playing our songs and what we realized very quickly is that this is one of the most enthusiastic audiences we've ever played for oh wow Uh, they were so deeply appreciative of like every single song we played and they clapped like vigorously and excitedly and like with the (laughs) most like stern expressions on their face, but you could tell that they were just so grateful and, wow. and, you know, apparently loving what we were doing. Yeah. And so it completely evolved from something that felt, you know, I, I guess I'll say a bit cold or mm-hmm. we didn't know if we were going to be welcome there. Yeah. To actually...
0: Intimidating. It sounds like.
1: Yes. That's yeah. a good word for it. I would say like we were out of our element basically. Yeah. And we were prepared to be embarrassed and this was going to be a low point in the tour, but ended up being, one of the best times and we connected with so many of those people, not only through the music, but after the show, just, you know, people taking, taking time to, and also a risk to come communicate with us again with very few English words and just to say thank you. And so that was a very meaningful experience. You know, it's definitely a non-traditional venue. It's just a, like a kind of a rundown cafe by the sea with, um, a bunch of like ship workers and dock workers and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember that forever just because it was such a transformation of expectation.
0: it <laughs> just sounds, yeah, it sounds like a really powerful experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Wow. wow. So um, you talk about being out of your element. And so I- I'm curious when you are in your element, aside from what you are doing yourself, what are you most excited about in the music world right now what what is what's been sort of at the top of you i like
1: this question partially because it's so much easier to talk about the things we wish were going better (laughs) or (laughs) that we're not happy about or excited about Mm. um i think one thing that definitely stands out is that in the past couple years there seems to be there's a lot of work left to do, but there's there's a real shift and people are talking about this and actively working towards, towards breaking free from the canon, which is um, very conspicuously rooted in white uh, supremacist art and mm-hmm. like dominant culture. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that we're there yet by any means, but people are at least talking about it and yeah. not only grassroots organizations, but from the top down, you know, um actually just yesterday the metropolitan opera published um, its next 5 year performance schedule and we're talking about one of the most conservative institutions in the world if, you know yeah, really like they're totally. they have a terrible track record of performing <laughs> opera by women composers of color etc mm-hmm. and they just published their five year plan which includes 17 contemporary operas by all kinds of composers wow. and I, i'm not here to say that The Met is like (laughs) this, you know, incredible organization that's doing all the right things. But Mm -hmm. that is an example of a top of the field organization starting to move in a certain direction that is including more voices. Yeah. Um, And I think that's an incredibly wise investment also, because if we're talking about generating new audiences, how do you do that? I think you have to, you know, perform work by composers that people connect with Mm. and, you know, sounds that people are relevant to life in twenty first century, and so that, that's one example. And um, I and aside from political connotations and uh, the the social justice that comes alongside with that, it's very exciting because what we're doing is just exploring other incredible music that's been very systemically ignored forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, just just that sort of awakening and that, that step in that direction. And I want to be very clear that we're not even close to being where at the point that we should be, but Mm -hmm. at least some conversations are happening. Some organizations are moving that way and there's momentum, at least as far as I can tell from institutions, financial support, et cetera. And so, Yeah. yeah, I find that inspiring and it's definitely, um, Uh, it's directing my own work moving forward very, very, very actively.
0: Yeah. I I love how you make the point, not only is it, you know, socially and culturally such an important step forward, but just the simple fact that, oh, we get to hear this music now, you know, that's really, that's, it's, excuse me, that's really exciting and and inspiring, you know, to just think about how much it's going to, change our way of experiencing the world you know
1: absolutely you know one of one of the kind of cliche questions that comes up a lot is um you know should we be performing music by um wagner you know wagner was an outspoken anti-semite and his music was used by the nazis to support their their propaganda and so Mm -hmm. forth and so the question is sure this might be you know aesthetically artistically um of high value but can we um, support the person behind the art that's a very complex discussion but one answer that I think that goes overlooked is that well let's say that you do let's say that we do exclude this music from performances um, then the byproduct is that you have all that extra bandwidth to explore other stuff
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah you know, there's there's time on concert programs or in opera schedules there's maybe an interest to find something new and mm-hmm. so I I find that it's like, it almost doesn't sidestep the question of morality, but it it is like, here's another way of looking at that. If we don't insist on playing this particular kind of music, then it does open the door and resources to explore other things, which should be explored no matter what.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So you, um, the Boise Cello Collective is going to be performing at Ming soon. Yes, and so I'd love to hear about what you're planning for that performance to get audience, get the audience excited about what's coming.
1: Yes, well, I'm I am very excited. I've I've missed playing at Ming Studios. Um, <clears throat> maybe you remember. I've I feel like I've been there a lot. I feel like it's kind of a second home. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I think I still have a key to the door. You know, <laughs> uh,
0: that's great. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll give it back. I promise. But anyway. <laughs> Um, I've had some of my best performances experiences at Ming. And so oh, that's
0: so great to hear.
1: Yeah. And so I'm I'm building this set with Ming in mind. And what I'm thinking of is it's a very intimate space, it's resonant, people are gonna sit close. And so I'm i I'm designing the set with that in mind. You know, what kind of music that is gonna sound amazing with four cellos, but is also going to allow for a very immediate connectivity with audiences in that mm. intimate space. Or another way of saying that, like what kind of music is going to lend itself to that? Yeah. And so, in a more more tangible, we're playing more tangible reference point. We're playing um, several mm. new works specifically written for cello quartet by um, a handful of really outstanding living composers. Wonderful. Um, there is a handful of my own original arrangements and uh, for that, it's, it's mostly music that I'm really attracted to and want to share with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another category of music mm-hmm. that you just may not expect for cellists to be able to cover and have it be effective. Um, yeah. And so, for, you know, for example, hearing Radiohead on cello is, I think, pretty exciting. Yeah. And, you know, what happens when you perform music that is based on lyrics and there are no lyrics involved? Mm-hmm. And so, but, that, but really, it's I, I'm thinking about the space itself and what's going to feel, what's going to create this ambiance of connectivity and intimacy, which Ming already engenders, like it's already built in. Mm-hmm. So how can we contribute to that?
0: Oh, well, I'm so glad that you feel that way. And I'm really looking forward to the performance. So thank you so yes. much um yes for thank talking you. with thank me you. today and um i really encourage everyone to come down to your performance remind me of the date because i don't have my schedule in front of me
1: that is may the 21st
0: may the 21st perfect
1: sunday let me triple check that because we have several concerts around that same time
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll uh maybe, yes, maybe may 21st it's may seven o'clock. o'clock okay perfect well, um, thanks again. Thanks so much for, for sharing your thoughts with us and um, looking very much forward to your performance.
1: Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much for including me and uh, look forward to May 21st. All right, take care. All right, you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next Monday. Tune in.